What's good? It's your girl, Kivon. I am a licensed clinical social worker. This is Anthony Andrews here. I'm a licensed professional counselor, a licensed clinical addiction specialist, and a certified rehabilitation counselor. And this is your other co-host, Dr. Sheree Watkins. I'm also a licensed professional counselor, a licensed clinical addiction specialist, and also a certified rehabilitation counselor. Dr. Phil Murray, certified adult and child psychiatry. And we are your charting room co-hosts. We're back. Another week. Another week. (laughs) Can you tell we're excited? Or is it just me? No, just feel the vibes. Feel the vibes. We're all excited. All the good vibes. So, of course, we're so grateful for the support, the feedback, the questions, the topic suggestions. Keep them coming. And the comments, too. And the comments, too. We're getting more comments. Yes. Definitely. Who knows? We might do it live soon and bring you all in the charting room with us. I don't know if they're ready. You don't think so? I don't think so. Bum, 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 bum. So, tonight... (laughs) Are you laughing at my sound effects? <laughs> yeah, I think you could really play like a like a scary movie person, like a, like a villain in the movie. Oh, that's horrible because I no. hate scary movies. Could you be like that overly no, nice no, person? No, no, we're not doing this. Bring it back. <laughs> no, no, no. Bring it back. You could be like the overly nice person that's kind of like creepy in a sense, like, I'm back. Like, that was a little creepy at the beginning. You're probably, horrible. I don't know. I don't know. You're <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Can we at least get to the main topic? Yeah, let's get to the main topic. Let's get to the main topic. All righty. So today we are talking about do you parent what you preach? Mm, I love it. Right? I, I love it. Wait. No, no. <laughs> so let's talk about punishment, right? Okay. Because that's one of the things that comes up frequently in therapy sessions. Like mm-hmm. Spank your kids, people. Spank your kids. No, no, sir. no, no, no. Spank no, your kids. No, no. Spank Meanwhile, your kids. Meanwhile, um, audience, Anthony does not have a kid yet. So Ooh, I'm very interested to see how his perspective shifts once you're having a girl, right? I am. Oh, once that little girl be comes. Rap. She said Spank you ain't really your wild, you a tourist. <laughs> Spank your kids. Because let's talk about that. Where does that where does that theory come from that spanking is beneficial? The Bible. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I think that has to do with general chastisement as opposed to... I think it has to do with spanking. Mm, I don't it's know. It's his interpretation, as many churches fair. have. That's fair. Yes. I mean, because my thing is when I speak to parents mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, you go to spanking everything else, they automatically equate that with, you're telling me I can't discipline my child. And yes. it's like, no, that's not the case, yes. actually. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is there are better, more effective ways. So the research shows with spanking and everything else, it is very effective in the short term. But eventually you need a higher stimulus, meaning that you need to hit the kid harder. Uh, And eventually that stimulus is going to wear out. You know, there's a tolerance that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And unless you just kind of increase the intensity... No, I think you you have to spank with a purpose. I think there's a lot of spankings that happen where people don't have purpose behind it. So after the spanking, you need to sit your child down and give the lesson of why this spanking occurred. You can't just spank and leave or spank out of anger. You have to spank with a purpose. But how realistic is it to not spank when you're in the midst of high emotions? Yeah. I've never seen a parent say, I spanked them once we both calmed down. 
Oh, I've seen that a they lot. They love to say that, but does that ac- does that actually happen? Listen, my cousin, mm-hmm. my cousin, he can attest to this, and he don't mind if I aired this out. When we were growing up, his dad used to sit on the couch all day, do the homework, and do everything. They eat dinner together. Before he'll go to bed, he'll get my cousin up and say, "You ready?" Oh. <laughs> and by the time you know it, you heard about. Ten slaps. And then. Oh, that brings back almost like a fight or flight reaction in me yeah. because mm-hmm. I just despise spankings. One, did we you, know that, huh? Did you get? I did get spankings, okay. and I never sat in my room after a spanking, post spanking, thinking like, "Oh man, like I learned so much from that lesson." Did they explain anything to you? They absolutely did. Okay. Could I hear them? No, because I was fuming with anger pain. and frustration and pain. So the message was a lost cause. Did you do the act again? Absolutely. Well, see, we have bad children out here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reality. We can't really look past that. So we're not going to say that everybody doesn't learn lessons. People like Kevon don't learn from their lessons. So, you know, I'm not saying spanking works for everyone. I'm saying that it's effective. You gave a blanket spank your kids. Right. Like, that was what you led with. Spank your kids. You didn't say talk to your kids. Nope. You didn't didn't say anything else. My biggest issue with spanking, and I am what we call a a 50-50-er, which means that I think it it is times that it can be appropriate appropriate um, for its its use. Mm -hmm. However... If a child is one, two, three, four years old, I don't believe spanking should be an automatic first response because that child is still developing and also is still learning. They're yeah. just, they're babies. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. At that age is, no, definitely don't spank. It's poppings. Same difference. Yeah. Same difference. No. So I do think punishments <laughs> needs to be age appropriate. So we have timeout. Yeah. We have okay. taking away of things. Yeah. Um, and then, again, as we move up in age from like maybe five or more, we should have poppings and then possibly spankings for yeah. serious things. But in the viewpoint of things, we if we use the, the, the very um, simple analysis of work, we come to work late. Our first offense is a verbal warning. We come to work late again. Some, depending on the boss, we may get a verbal or it may be a written warning. Yeah. Then we come late again. Oh, well, now it's been written or you now you're on probation. Yeah. And then the next step is going to be firing. Well, using that analogy, it's no different than um, punishment for our children. There needs to be levels to yeah. mm, the consequences right. based right. off of the severity of yeah. the incident. Everything should not be spanking, and then also everything cannot be timeout either. We have yeah. to have a mixture between I both. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just think conversation mm, is like a lost art, you know, like actually sitting down and having a conversation with your children. I'll be honest, when Trinity was probably about four or five, maybe, maybe even younger, I spanked her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I actually went back to school and really learned about how harmful corporal punishment is that I was like, oh no, we got to make a change. Like Mm. it's not effective at all. And it's crazy, right? Because I was only doing what was done to me Uh and what I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. to do. And it was without 
education, right? It was mm-hmm. without like knowledge of how damaging mm-hmm. it truly is. I didn't even stop and reflect on how angry I used to be after a spanking until I went back to school and really, and actually went to therapy and reflected mm-hmm. on like the impact of spankings and how nothing really changed. Mm-hmm. If it really almost made me more rebellious. Mm. I think the um, difficult part processing in therapy as a, a later as an adult, um, the therapist would ask, "Well, what type of child do you think you were?" And I'm like, "We were great children. I, I mean, was. every now and then we would get in trouble. I think our biggest thing between me and my twin sisters that we were very much social butterflies in elementary yeah. and middle school, so we talked a lot. Yeah. So we didn't get bad grades. We didn't get sent to like no to in school suspension." Um, but we would get like unsatisfactory. Yeah, and your conduct. Yeah, in the, in the conduct area. And so we would often change that and yeah. often get caught. Um, but when I look back, I, and it, we even um, doing one of my therapeutic activities, I asked my mom, I said, What type of children were we? Were we good? Were we bad? She's like, yeah. Y'all was like almost perfect. Yeah. I said, So why the hell you spank us then? I know. Because, and she had to actually think about, Well, that's what was done to me. I'm like, But that was your yeah. only alternative. We never, yeah. punishment as far as being something taken away. That was unheard of in our house so everything was whooping so she's like I was like yeah and so to me I'm definitely with you Kevon I was uh, a great child who was normal who still had moments of no testing her limits of course Mm -hmm. developmentally appropriate yes and so I'm like Mm -hmm. that's all I remember is the bad parts of being spanked whether it was with a shoe or a switch or a belt I mean the the severity of the pain is what I remember I don't remember there wasn't. I didn't feel like there was any type of love that came from that At action. All. Wow. I'm doing this because I love you. No, oh, I don't no. like so what it. Do you, what do you do, Kevon? I have conversations with my children. I have conversations. So I, I want to preface it by saying that I actually have good children. I, they do things that's appropriate for their age. Mm-hmm. So do they test the limits? Absolutely. There's adults out here testing the and limits. And what do you do at that point? We have conversations. We sit down and we have conversations about the choices that they made. We even oftentimes allow them to choose their consequence. Hmm. So for what you did, what do you think the consequence should be? There are times that we have to choose the consequence, primarily for our youngest um, kiddo because he's still really learning. Um, But our oldest kiddo, she gives us no problems. Her mouth... Sure, but I also chalk that up to her navigating, like, who she is and how far she can go. And that's just a part of growing. And I never want to stifle that in them. I never want to stifle that in them. A lot of how adults communicate, they learned as kiddos. Oh, yeah. And so oh, they yeah. started to say something, and they were like, stay in a child's place. Be quiet. Nobody asked you. And so then you become an adult, and you don't even know how to talk. Or worse, when people are communicating, you do the same to them. But nobody asks you. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Right? And I never want that to be my kiddo's experience. So we sit and we talk. And, you know, a lot of times when my kids have done things wrong, they will actually um, come and tell us. Now, TJ went through a little bit of a lion phase, (laughs) which is developmentally appropriate. And, you know, we had to handle that. Like, I just, just be honest. But, you know, uh, that comes with age, and he's a boy. Boys lie. But a lot of times... <laughs> you know, what I mean. Y'all That's jokers I mean. be lying. That's crazy. Okay? That's um, just... But, you know, huh? you can get better with no, time. No, women lie. 
What? People. People lie. People lie. People I guarantee lie. you, your girls are way more uh, sneakier than your boy. They. She is not, though. Now, was I a sneaky kid? Yeah. I you know absolutely what she's doing? was. She's having a conversation, doing whatever the conversations you want to have, and doing whatever she wants to do to shut you up. No. Then she's doing what she wants to do. No. You need to spank your child. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, listen to Kivana if you want to take her methods. Um, if you want to listen to mine, please spank your child. Um, yeah, you know. Anthony has no sense. I'm I'm ignoring Anthony at this point because again, in a few weeks, not months, a few weeks, He's he will papa. have a little girl in his house, and she gonna and wrap him around her things finger. Will change for you when you see that little baby girl. I put money on it. Got some family members I haven't told yet, but thank you for telling everyone. Sorry, now I'm playing. Yeah, she will be here. You know what? You had a whole baby shower. So, you right. I'm like, <laughs> you know what it's I mean? a photo shoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know what? I will admit, though, that I won't be doing the spanking. She's going to be doing the spanking. So, ooh, that's yes. an interesting thing. So, because she's a girl, yeah. you don't yeah. feel comfortable spanking her? No, no. Just my but tone. But you can't put that demand on your wife either. No, she, now, go spank that. No, go she'll tell you right up. now. She's she's spanking. We're spankers right. in our house. <laughs> Whole that house was, spanking. Right. That was discussed in the dating phase too. Spanking. <laughs> all right. I mean, do listen. We're not even. We're not judging anybody. Mm-hmm. Do what you feel works best in your household. Mm-hmm. Um, within reason. Within Let me ask you, because within mandated re- reporters yes. are real. Phil, yes. were you spanked? No, I was uh, in my mind. I was psychologically terrorized until the age of five. My mom used to pop me with a fly swatter, and then oh after God. that, I self-regulated, and I got put on punishment for really long periods of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the longest? So, my mom is so practical. So I would come home. I was a really smart kid. Yeah. But I would have like a C on a progress report. Yes. And so I would say, Hey, like, look, we know how this grade thing goes. Trying At the to read the semester. Like, we both know my grades are going to be fine. Yeah. She was like, Well, this is a progress report so until your grades progress you'll be on punishment <laughs> and that usually took the entire academic year <laughs> like to the point where I would get to school and teachers would clown me like oh, you, you were on punishment you, you, you gonna stay on punishment this year oh like, okay. Okay. that's tough but you didn't get spankings huh. well no nah. and the funny thing is my siblings um, so like I said I got baby boomer parents generation X siblings so my yeah. brother's 10 years older my sister's 15 years older yeah uh, so my brother would talk about the corporal punishment yeah um, and then he would just laugh he was like it was so funny how afraid of that fly swatter you were Aww. and I was like hey man you know my mom had technique Aww. you know what all I ask is don't be that parent in the restaurant with your kid running around, not listening, mm. and you're threatening you're threatening the kid to put he or she in timeout. See, that's interesting because my kids, I don't know, maybe people think differently out there, but my kids were never like rambunctious like that. We would take them out places and people would always compliment us on how well behaved they were. Mm. Um, and even to this day at schools, for the most part, they compliment on how well behaved they are. You know what? Do they do things that kids do? Absolutely. I would be concerned if they did not. I just thought about this. What? Your kids are vegan. What does that have to do with that, the price of tea and That's China? what it is. That's why they're so well behaved. It's not the fact that they're not getting <laughs> okay. something okay. in the food. As, they're vegan. As professionals, we cannot allow this. They're to vegan. Go on and go <laughs> why did he take it? There is no evidence I that cannot. being a vegan child automatically makes you This is the study right well here. Behaved. This is the study. All right, I we have an end of two. Can't. 
there's not much power in that stuff. Not with this joke. Well, we do understand that sometimes um, there has been research, but I don't think anything has been proven. Phil, you can help with this. When it comes to certain attitudes of food can mm-hmm. cause behavior there changes or hormonal changes. Evan, it's the like vegan. I said, not a lot of power in those studies. Some folks get caught up in the red diet. Some folks yeah. get caught up in the gluten diets and everything else. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's been enough to prove it and put it as a primary parenting practice. Yeah, gotcha. All right, so we, I mean, no, in all in all seriousness, um, we've all, well, you, you say you spanked your kid before, right? He gets poppings now. Okay, and you have spanked your I child have. before. So we all we all have done it once, or we all will do it once. I don't so. have any kids, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm going on the record page. Yeah. No <laughs> kids. You got no. Don't kids call me. None on the horizon, the sunset, the forest, nor the trees. <laughs> okay. But no, seriously. Um, but you, know, you got to do what's best for you. Yes, we definitely you do. Agree. And you got to be flexible in your approaches. Yes, mm-hmm. you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. You really do. Let me tell you this funny story. I think most of y'all probably seen it already. So TJ went to school, and apparently you can only go to the library once a week in schools now, which is so crazy because, um, you know, how can kids – Read if they want to read. Yeah. Um, so he went to the library once and then had a substitute teacher later in the week. So he went to the board and erased his name Ooh, off of the board <laughs> and went back to the library a second time. I can dig it though. Right. I was a reader. So the teacher sent me an email <laughs> about him going to the library for a second time in the week. And she said that she asked him well, why did you do that? And he told her, because I had a substitute. I knew she wouldn't know that I went to the library. See, I'm not mad at that. That's what I'm saying. I'm not mad at that. We just need honesty. Yes. We just need honesty. Because then that gives me something to work with. But how how do you spank a person for wanting to go to the library to read? No, it's not about the library. He didn't follow the rules. So I did see your Instagram story. You were defending your kid, but he broke the rules. I mean, so so I... Agree that he broke the rules, yes. and we had the conversation about that. But I also understand the premise. Heck, we do crap like that as adults. My thing is, so my mom was a teacher for 30 years, right? And I have friends that are teachers now. So we can't, it's like 30 kids to a classroom now. So if there's a bunch of TJs going around racing names off the boards, <laughs> then you're stressing the teachers out. I mean, it's not fair. So you then you come out and you defend the kid for erasing his name off the board. That wasn't the rules. That wasn't part of the rules. So that, you know, what I'm saying, when I'm saying, everybody can be mad at me. What I'm saying is, then this same, well, not talking about you, but these same parents bring their child into therapy because they, they've been suspended from school and doing all this and that. None, there's nothing the therapist can do when the mom is at home saying, it's okay, let's have this conversation. I think that's a jump. A big uh, one. It's not, and it's the not. reason why is because it sounds like TJ has a proven record of generally upstanding behavior. Yes. One. Two, did he, he got reprimanded. Mom got called. Mom yes. had a conversation, mm-hmm. which seems to be on par with the discipline style in the household. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he mm-hmm. got off, you know, just got off completely. At all. That's why I said it's not about Kevon. I said some parent they take this method of just No, I mean, but in defending. this case we gotta keep it specifically about yeah. that. Because you saying, you know, basically kids out, you know, racing names off boards every day. <laughs> like, that's, that's, <laughs> so far fetched. How? How is it far fetched? Because it is. We're de- you're defending him. I'm, so I'm not You know what my mom used to do? Him. When my, when I used to get in trouble in school, whether I was right or wrong, 
my mom will go ahead and she'll go ahead and handle me right then and there, right? Then she'll go back and follow up with the teacher. So no conversation. No conversation because I should have never placed my... I should never place myself in that position to get in trouble in the first place. No, no. So it was a no. it was account it was accountability for myself here. So and I knew I was doing wrong. So you know I had to take accountability of that. Which you what, what message you're sending is that okay I can do things that I want to do sometimes and it's gonna no, be okay. No, no, That's no, no, the no, 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 That's no, 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 no. Listen, no, no, if you don't, if you because, don't agree, wait, wait, hold on. How you gonna tell her what message she's right, sending right, as a parent? Right. I'm listening to the story. Listen, because I'm telling you. He was chastised the way we do it, not a spanking, How? a conversation. We had a conversation. He was made to apologize to his teacher Boom. and explain what he did wrong Boom. and how it impacted the classroom, how it impacted her te- the substitute teacher, et cetera. Take responsibility, but also talk about how you're going to prevent that from happening in the future. So in the future, now, if I want to go to the library an extra day, then I need to ask you. Because now I'm teaching him communication skills. I'm teaching him how to own his behavior. Mm-hmm. Instead of me just spanking him and saying, you know what you did wrong, don't do it again. So that wasn't your Instagram post. You were slamming the teacher on Instagram. I was I was slamming the teacher, not uh-huh. slamming the teacher. I was <laughs> making light of the situation because the teacher literally sent me like a five page or a five paragraph letter explaining the situation. Oh, and I thought it was just extremely trivial, something that I almost felt like she could have handled at her level in the classroom. Okay. But I also agree, um, as I gave the case earlier about the the young boy who was coming into therapy because he threw the food and he was whispering and humming. Yeah. Um, as a former teacher myself, um, after that session, I processed with myself and I said, at some point when these teachers contacted the parents at incident number one and two and saw the severity of how the parents reacted, yeah. why would they continue to reach out over trivial matters and not handle it themselves. Because it's not like it was happening back to back to back. It would be like months apart. So as a teacher and also an adult, we are taught as a part of our teaching curriculum is what we call pedagogy, how to do classroom management. Yes. I like that word, whatever it means. (laughs) So if you cannot manage your classroom, they have mentors and they also have supervisors in the school system. So... When it comes to something um, as, you know, him going to the library extra time, this student humming and being so disruptive in the classroom, then it should be a simple email. Hey, want to let you know, make you aware that um, your child did so-and-so. It was handled. This was a consequence. This was his response. Yeah. But I just want to keep you abreast so that way there will be no surprises as his parent and we can have open communication. Yeah, and I think with that situation, TJ actually got like lunch detention for going to the library, which I felt like was a little bit extreme. But hey, if that's what you do, go for it. It's your classroom. If that's how you manage the classroom... Manage the classroom the way you manage it. But I do also believe in the pipeline of prison, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Ooh, okay. We would not have that discussion tonight, but <laughs> I will make sure we we bring that up in the future. Thank yeah. you. Okay. All right, I mean, it sounds like y'all out here really uh, parenting what you're preaching. Hey, uh, we are. Know. Trying to. I just hope Anthony not going to be in his sessions like, go home right now, spank your kids. <laughs> spank them. And then bring them back next week and tell me how it went. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I think that we have been institutionalized on how to raise our children. And I think that in our culture, I think there has been a fear that has come about from DSS, CPS, 
about how we should parent our children. So I'm trying to give autonomy back to how we parent because the way that you guys are talking, that's fine, but you're going to have some classes that's going to come in from different cultures, and it won't be culturally competent for us to tell people how to parent their children. As long as these kids aren't being harmed or abused. We've been saying abused, that all night. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be harmed or abused. What I'm saying is we can't just you know, completely dismiss Mankey. So. I think also as therapists, we're not – trying to dismiss anyone's um, behavior when it comes to how they choose to approach and consequent their child. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is that if you, as long as you're not leaving um, um, bruises and you're hurting them physically, mentally, or emotionally, Mm -hmm. then we going to sit there and as a counselor, listen to what you're describing to us and provide additional options. Cause we are teachers too, as counselors. And so it's not that we are trying to change anyone's mind, we want to challenge, mm-hmm. but yeah. also help them to grow and understand that there also are other options. Because that's what counseling is for, is yeah. to learn what your options are, yeah. but also to, solidi- um, to solidify what you're already doing great. Yeah, well, yeah. I like that. Well, I like so. that. Mm-hmm. Well, that about wraps this one up <laughs> yeah. today. Um, so that one was a little bit heavy, but take from it what you will. We're not saying that you can't spank. We're not saying that you can Just do what works in your home within reason. Mm -hmm. Um, No leaving marks. And really think about what is your expected outcome. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Frequently we lead with emotion Mm -hmm. and we as parents don't even think, what do I want to get out of this? Mm -hmm. And so before you move into punishment, Mm -hmm. stop and think about before I take this next step, what do I hope to come out of this? And sometimes take a breath before you get to the point of discipline. Because I think we've talked a lot about ideal parenting and everything else, but I don't have kids. But from what I have seen, they can make you crazy. A little bit. And in those (laughs) moments, you're probably not your best parenting self. Mm -mm. So it's ideal, if you can, to take a few seconds to cool down just so you can go through and, like you said, keep on really think about Mm -hmm. what you want to communicate with this. Mm -hmm. So that way you're not spanking or doing any type of disciplining in anger. Right. Because that usually does not lead to the outcome that you want. There you go. I love it. There you go. All right. We out. We got hot topics coming from the streets. From the streets straight to the peace. We got hot topics. Hot topics, y'all. Coming at you with you straight up. Hot topics, y'all. For this week's hot topic, have y'all heard about what happened at Stuyvesant High School in New York? Yes. I have it. All right. So just as a briefer, so Stuyvesant is a part of a number of very elite high schools in New York State, but this one is specifically in New York City. Uh, and so they determine admission by this big test that kids have to take going from middle school to high school. And so it's, you know, kind of like, I guess you say your SATs, any types of admission tests. And so it really does put kids on the fast track to academic achievement and the whole nine. And these are public schools. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the, you know, hefty tags of private schools or anything Mm. else. So it would seem everybody has equal opportunity, equal Mm. access. Everybody can take this test. And so it should turn out well. Yeah. So this year, I believe they accepted about 895 students. Okay. Mm. And seven of those were black kids. That is less than 1%. Mm-hmm. That is less than the percentage of black kids in medical school. That is so-
so frustrating. Yeah, that is so frustrating for so many reasons. One, because we've had this conversation on this podcast before about how representation matters. Mm -hmm. And so I can only imagine what it's like to be one of the eight black kids in that school surrounded by people that don't look like them, mm -hmm. probably don't respect their culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's it's, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. That is so hard. I think the most difficult part when hearing about that is so we talk about um, the stories of those students who have actually already graduated. And they was, there were some articles who talked to alumni students who wanted their opinion as to this, you know, this big um, situation that's going on in New York City. And one of the things that was profound to me is one of the students who was an Asian-American female I'm sorry, she was a Pakistani um, female, stated that she never, she only knew one black student um, in her class before she went on to Columbia University. So her first time interacting with multiple black people was when she got to college. Mm -hmm. How was that actually effective um, when trying to make sure we educate, which means an education that means socialization too. Yes, um, to match what yes. we see out in our world, and that's yes. not realistic. It's not realistic because then a lot of these kids, whether still as kids or grow up to be adults, um, that think that they can say and do anything without mm -hmm. repercussions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, also looking at it just from a. And this is my mind frame, just a very practical access to resources. Yeah. Perspective. I mean, you know, supposedly America, the land of opportunity and everything else. But if you don't have representatives from your direct family yes. or at least your community or mm -hmm. however you define community, getting access to those resources and bringing them back or anything else, it is highly unlikely that somebody from another group is going to actively seek you out and kind of share those. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I think especially for black folks, the concepts of generational wealth, generational resources yes. or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, what's supposed to be a public resource. Uh, that that's just, that's tough. But out of, not just with that school, but out of all the eight elitist schools um, that are public education. But once again, in that criteria of that specialized assessment test for admittance, the overall enrollment for Hispanic and African-American students was less than 10%. Mm. So out of eight schools that the average enrollment for the freshman class was between three to 600 per students per school, mm -hmm. mm. the total was less than 10% for African-American and Hispanics. Mm. That is a major, major, major problem. Mm. When we know that, um, according to me, just looking up and trying to dig in some more into this, um, to this phenomenon, the average percentage of the body of makeup in the school, 77% is Asian-American, 17% mm -hmm. is Caucasian, and then the remainder is a mixture between African-American and Hispanic. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. mm. I was watching on Instagram not too long ago, Russell Simmons, I think youngest daughter, um, goes to a school probably similar to what you're explaining in California, but I'm sure it's tuition-based. And she was saying that um, she was tired of a little guy in her class saying the N-word. Wow. And mm -hmm. she said that she had asked him on multiple opportunities not to use that word, and he then started using it directly towards her. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. And the yes. school just let this rock? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. It took 
her mm-hmm. with all of her privilege mm-hmm. getting on IG, doing a live, getting the outcry from the public mm-hmm. for the school to actually make a change. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I had an incident where um, I was working with a um, student at this point, and he was going through some things as well. And I think his coach um, was using a language such as that. And uh, so he was dropping the M-bomb at school or at practice. I believe it. And then some of the other white kids were doing the same thing because this person was, I think, the only black person on the basketball team. Uh Um, So when you see the authoritative people – doing this at schools and of course you know the kids are going to just mimic what's being you know said or feeling comfortable enough to even do it grind my gears and I wish you guys could could see me in this charting room right now like shaking my head and rolling my eyes Um, because Mm -hmm. I'm speaking like I feel this from like a parenting um, perspective like my daughter recently texted me and she's had, you know, various unpleasant experiences since we recently relocated to the North Carolina area and are in a predominantly Caucasian school district. And most recently, she was sitting in a classroom, the only black kid, um, and apparently some of the kids in the classroom were playing truth or dare. She didn't know it, but one of the dares was for a little boy to come over and touch her hair. And so she was sitting there doing her work. Now, this is like an honors math class, right? So she's in there trying her best, studying, doing her work. And the little boy comes out up from out of nowhere and grabs her hair. And everybody erupts with laughter. Mm. Oh, he that would have been one of those moments in which spanking Mm -hmm. (laughs) would have been permissible. But it's it's so frustrating, (laughs) right? Because when you're in that situation... You're, you, you experience a flood of emotions. Mm-hmm. You literally experience that flight or fight reaction, mm-hmm. right? Which is why it's so important that we have these conversations about racial trauma. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. really all she needed to do in that moment was like text me because she's like, I'm so frustrated. And so she said, she looked at him and told him what you did was absolutely disrespectful. This is the one and only warning that you get. Mm-hmm. And so he said, she said that he was apologetic and was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, that is not okay. That is not okay. And right now I do not accept your apology. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. crazy that she's in that situation. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. That's sad. And I hate it for little brown kids in situations like that where they are one of the only and they are left to have to advocate for themselves. Because mm-hmm. do you think she had any allies in that classroom when that took place? Not it doesn't sound like it. Do you think anybody stood up and said, don't do that to her? Mm-hmm. No, they all laughed. Wow. All right, so we got a situation where you got a few kids, mm-hmm. a few black kids who were able to get into this school. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot of people who are excluded. The ones who are there don't have appropriate representation. Right. So... But it's also technically a fair test that everybody gets to take and everything else. But it's to not Sheree's fair. point, it's, it's not fair. It's seventy. Right I mean, so so talk about. It. I mean, so how it's, is it? It's not fair because when you talk about the inclusivity of uh, a specific sect of people who have learned how to navigate the test, the test and master the test to the point where the alumni talk about how they have their own tutoring sessions, their own after-school sessions to prepare for just this test. Mm -hmm. 
where is those same dynamics um, created for students of Hispanic or African-American descent? Because they have yet to have larger numbers to enter into these spaces, they don't have the tools to create those type of entrance preparation um, school um, yeah. after school programs or tutoring programs. Yeah. So once they was able to pretty much navigate and know how to get into the system, they have mastered it to the point where it's, I mean, when we look at it, 77%, 77% out of all eight schools mm. is Asian American. And my biggest soapbox out of this is that what was so disheartening to hear is that the alumni and the, um, the students there are really split. Everyone says, well, they understand why it needs to be more diverse. Mm-hmm. However, the 50% that just makes me so upset is that the Asian-American families who are on the offensive state that, well, if we try to create a sense of um, affirmative action or equality, then we're going to lose out mm-hmm. trying to make it inclusive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as another brown face in the U.S., you're willing to, what's the word I'm looking for? You're willing to exclude and marginalize Mm -hmm. other brown faces so that you can win. Because your only way that your children is going to excel and get into the perfect school and get the perfect job is through these one of these eight schools. Listen, I'm with Anthony on this one where we got to stop trying to squeeze our our babies in places where it just never was designed for them to be there. Yeah, I I was going to ask you that because I don't (laughs) think that the... um, Diversity is going to change within yeah. the school that uh, your daughter is in. So, would you be willing to kind of move her to a, a different school Absolutely. that shows more of a diversity? Yeah, I think that's a Absolutely. beautiful thing. But what about these students in New York? They don't have the ability to move because many of them are no, they're in Harlem. Is that their zoned school? No, no, no. no, no, no. So the way it they goes, can get bus yeah. and take subways, yeah, like four-hour anybody, trips. Yeah, anybody has in theory access to these places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean. Realistically, we're only talking about seven of them. Right. But, I mean, but still, I'm, so to your point, Sheree, I guess it's like, all right, so this system is supposed to be fair, and they're technically not breaking any rules. This isn't like the Hollywood right. scandal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it's kind of like, it is fair. Because my thing is like, I'm not going front. If black <laughs> right. folks are winning on that level, I would probably not be so quick to change the test. And I think mm-hmm. it's something to where a lot of we times. We cannot be the oppressed. I mean, I mean we cannot. I mean, we can't be racist as far as benefiting from the overall system. What am I trying to say? But we can't be biased. We can't be privileged. We can be all that stuff. (laughs) But yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. So We cannot oppress. We are the oppressed. We can kind of oppress. Not on a systematic level, but we can oppress locally. (laughs) So micro level. Yeah. Okay. It real small. I give you that. I didn't want to give you that. I'm going to give you that. (laughs) I mean, it's so small. Thank you, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) But no, and so I know uh, like the mayor of New York has talked about doing away with the test and mm-hmm. then there's been all this backlash and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, how do, you know, like what is the solution in this case? You know, as far as how do you, because people have done things in a fair way. Well, I'm sorry, they've, they've abided by the rules. Let me say we that. We need to start creating our own spaces. Mm. We really need to start creating our agree. own spaces mm-hmm. where our children can thrive. Yeah. You know, I hear so frequently, well, the schools in this area, you know, where the black kids go, they're not great schools and they don't have great test scores and da 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 We can change that. 
we can change that. And if enough of us get together and say, you know what, enough with busing and living out in places where they don't want us to be, let's change the schools where our kids are. Mm-hmm. Let's start doing things in those neighborhoods to increase the property values. Let's do what we need to do to revitalize our own communities and stop letting people come in and revitalize and then push us out. But I I will say, I mean, and and that's the thing, I mean, I'm about to sound like Anthony, but (laughs) it's one of those things where historically we have tried to do that. But when it comes to getting tax bases for things, when it comes to getting loans for things, we have been deliberately excluded from certain places. Of course. Uh, You know, or if you look at the housing crash and recovery in areas where... It's intentional. Yeah, I think in areas... It might have been a Washington Post article uh, said like in areas where it was like 40% or more African-Americans, the value of houses, yes, it, it did not recover as swiftly as it did in certain other areas. Oh, yes. And so we're in this place where it's like we should do all these things with our own areas. But within at least the current system of governance, there are very deliberate, whether you want to say it's intentional or not, yeah. ways that we don't have access to that. Of course. And so it's kind of like, what do you do? Because... People aren't fighting to go to these schools because of some great cultural thing. It's because of right. the access that it can provide down the line. For sure. Mm-hmm. And you, mean, a, you mean as far as like the scholarships or just knowledge? Colleges that they, and they jobs. Learn? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like if you are one of these old money families that pay for the daycare, the, yeah. the middle school, the Sitwell friends, the Georgetown Day, yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah. Like that stuff really does lead to tangible benefits down the you line. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. We used to have our kids in private schools and were amongst that whole thought process Mm -hmm. we subscribed to it Um, and it really took us just doing some education reading books um, and really also watching the impact that it has on our children you know Trinity coming home and saying I want my hair to be straight and flat like the other girls you know and us having to do education about why your hair isn't like that it it just was doing more harm than good and we know many people who went to HBCUs, who went to public high schools, and that have turned out to do amazing, absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. things in life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... Yeah, that, and that's, I think that's what I'm, I'm saying here. I think that we kind of look at white schools as being superior, yeah. and we pride ourselves on making sure that, you know, our kids get to these schools. I've had parents brag and tell me, like, you know, my child, he's, you know, he's the only black one. He's the only I black know. one. And it's with so much pride. And the, the child comes into therapy and, and talk about these things, about how they're excluded or they're being called uh, a nigger or mm-hmm. anything else. So I've had clients tell me before that the kids at the school ask uh, my clients, why don't you act black? Why don't you act black? Mm-hmm. We expect you to do black things. So now mm-hmm. you guys watch. Man, I hate to give another example of a reality. Uh, but you're going to do it, show. so go ahead. Give it to it. Give it to it. Everybody hates Chris. You guys mm-hmm. watch it? I remember it. So, you know, Chris was in this predominantly white school, and he, part of the season, you know, almost half of the season or the series was, you know, him talking about his struggles being at this all-white school mm-hmm. from the stigmas that the teachers put on placed on yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I know there was one episode where uh, – 
he came to the school. Basketball season came around. They thought he's going to be super nice. <laughs> it was like, I forgot what they was calling him, but he turned out to be trash. But it was a perception <laughs> that all black people are just very, very good at basketball. And then, like, we're, we're sending our kids here to these schools thinking it's going to be elite. But the sad thing is it does have its benefits if you can get through the emotional oppression. Because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like Phil said, it may lead to different things yeah. down the line. Mm-hmm. So are you willing at that point to put your uh, kid in this uh, oppressive place. emotional wellness on the line. (laughs) Over their education in the future. Then we have to really address policy and why don't, uh, I guess, different schools or black schools have the same opportunities that these schools have. Oh, yeah. Um, I think if we can address that issue, that policy, um, we can try to move There's a lot of research that has been done that says, that suggests that um, desegregation was one of the worst things that happened to the black community. Oh, all day. Yeah. And can I give an example on that? Please. So, I feel like I'm talking too much. But at Shaw University, the greatest HBCU alive. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The greatest, the greatest. The <laughs> oldest HBCU in the South. Um, anybody can attest to that? We're going to go. We're going to let you ride that wave. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ride on out into nah. the sunset. Shout out, shout out to all my uh, Shaw U family out there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we had doctor. We had a... a, a <laughs> We had a uh, med school, a law school. We had all of these things before integration, right? Yeah. So now it becomes, um, okay, you start integrating these areas. So everybody wants to know at that point what they're missing out on. So, okay, well, we couldn't go here for all of these years. We couldn't live here for all of these years. We couldn't go through these schools. Let me run to the white side because it must be better. Yeah. It must be better. So if everybody leaves, then you have – now, how HBCUs, some HBCUs look like, Shaw, we don't have these programs, we don't have these schools at this location anymore because all our black elites are leaving, going to other schools. Just like I was talking about the athletes from um, uh, last episode, yeah. I'm speaking about our, our people right here, our students, who are still leaving to go to these universities, these engineering programs at other universities. Our scientists are leaving. And we're not keeping it right here at our school, so the grant money is not following us. Yeah. It's going to white universities, which black people fight to get into. I just want to... Never mind. Oh, go. But please. My only Mm-mm. thing, though, when it comes to... <laughs> I get the whole gist that, um, that you all are saying, but we're talking about taxpaying parents, low-income, high-income, whatever, minority parents who are should have equal access of their children being able to get into these prestigious schools because they're public education. Mm-hmm. Now, it, to me, it would be different if we're talking about um, private schools, but we're talking about public schools in which it should be equal opportunity. So the governor said that, that he's trying to make some stances of being able to make some small changes. Like one of the, um, the news reports stated that he is building what they call a discovery program mm-hmm. in which it's created over the summer. So this year... Um, those students who were missed by like 50 points of less of getting into these schools could go through the discovery program and get an automatic seat. And there's only 10% of the seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but next year he's increasing it to 20%. Mm-hmm. So okay. he's trying different things to get these students um, a seat who were just maybe a few points away from the standard. It is so interesting. It's so interesting. Uh, and I and I applaud him for that, for yeah. at least attempting, right? Because then if he wasn't attempting, we'd complain about that. <laughs> so I do applaud him for that. I just am coming from a place of just making sure that we are taking care of these kids emotionally. Yeah. I agree. Right? Because yeah. this yeah. creates a bunch of scar tissue. It does. It does. But and, I, um, and I, as I was sharing when, um, um, earlier, 
there's also some scars of pitting minorities against each other. You literally mm-hmm. have yep. a primary um, minority population who are advantageous of this um, of this system who are saying that we don't care about the other minorities at what cost because we may lose something. Yeah. And so I just think over the past, hmm, let's just say, I'm just going to round up, the last five years, we have been using the term more all-inclusive of black and brown people which has included African-American, Hispanic, and Mm Asian-Americans. And I just feel like when we come to situations like this, are we really being all inclusive? Are are they still clapping for us like we clapping for them? Are we still once again walking and marching for them? I think we just have to sometimes take a step back to say, really, when we talk about black and brown people, there's not, it's not an all-inclusive circumstances of where we're all put into the same pot of being disenfranchised. No, we're not. No, yeah. no. Yeah, that's a good point because you you look out you look outside and see who's marching with you. Yeah, yes. uh, look to your left and right. Yep, majority black. Mm-hmm. But when something else is going on, it seems like we we're quit the march with other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, but one thing that I learned uh, when I went so my experience, I was never in any predominantly white spaces until like medical school. But yeah. before that, public school, the whole nine. Yeah. Uh, granted, you know, I got into the magnet program like middle school. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was in black schools. And it wasn't until I got to college and learned that the black experience is not homogenous. Yeah. And really understanding that there is value to just black people being everywhere. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you can't control where you grow up, how you grow up, and everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, if you're that only black family in Bismarck, you know, North Dakota. North Dakota. Then it's like, hey, that's what you got. Uh, And so I do hope that people do eventually get to that place of nourishment. But I also hope that that is at least occurring at home. And to what you guys are saying, just addressing the emotional realities. And sometimes whether it's cost or whether it's benefits, just Mm -hmm. like, all right, here's what we got. What are we really going to do? I love it. I agree. Perfect summary. As we close out this episode, we want to thank you for your dedication. Here's a gift from us to you. Owning your story is the bravest thing you'll ever do. Brene Brown. If you grew up like me, you were taught the black lesson of keeping the family business in the family. The challenge with that is in moments when we should have been seeking help and support, we were instead hiding behind the shame and embarrassment of what happened. As kids, we were left to navigate challenges and traumas that many adults don't even know how to navigate. We were made to find our own methods of coping and surviving the emotional discomfort that kept us from feeling whole. This was to no fault of our parents and guardians, as many of them did the absolute best they could with the resources they had. I say all of this to say, you no longer have to live with the shame and guilt of what was. You can tell your story. You can seek help. You can connect with a village of like-minded survivors. You can release the pain and breathe again. How am I so sure? Because I've taken that healing journey and I am living proof that relief is possible. I've also worked with countless women and men that have taken the journey and now live free of the pain that kept them in the shadows for far too long. Stop putting off for tomorrow what you can do today. It is absolutely impossible to live your best life if you are still carrying around the emotional damage from your worst life. Namaste.